Welcome to the Orange Church Podcast. We are so happy you're joining us today, and wherever you are, we hope you leave feeling encouraged and confident that God is moving. Good morning. Um, hi. <laughs> I was, I have been a little scattered this morning, um, so bear with me. We'll just kind of see what happens. But Holy Spirit is going to talk, not me, so it'll be fine. Um, Also, to those of you who haven't seen me talk before, yes, I don't have shoes on. Yes, I don't care. (laughs) My brother makes fun of me for how I preach, uh, and that's one of the things. I can't believe you you preach in your bare feet. So I like to be comfortable, and the Lord loves me anyway, so here we go. Uh, if you don't know me online or in here, my name's Emily. Um, I do, thanks David. Uh, <laughs> I do the youth group and a myriad of other things around. Um, and Pastor Josh, if you didn't know, is not here today um, because he said, I'm getting a little burnt out and I need a break. He said, Emily, will you, will you take this week? And so I said, yes. For a leader that knows when he needs to take a break, we applaud that. So, Josh and Melissa, we love you. Thank you for being healthy. Um, Like Brad said, we are jumping into a topic that is a little, it's not little, it's big. (laughs) Um, Josh gave this one to me, and I just laughed because I said, you always pass off the difficult ones Um, to me, (laughs) I think. But it's a good one, it's just... Man, it's a lot, and I'm only 29, so there's no way I could have this handled. There's no way any of you have this handled, so we're all in it together. Um, I felt like this week I jumped in, I dove in to just, not even the deep end, but just like the ocean, and I would answer a question, and then five more questions would come up, so I don't know if I know this any better or less than the beginning of the week, but we'll just see. Um, But we're talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Um, and thanks to Michelle, she provided me with a ton of resources this week that helped my studies and also helped me be in the deep end. So, um, but we're going to start um, in a very common verse or a very known verse to a lot of us, which is the Lord's Prayer. So Matthew 6, um, but just those first two verses, Matthew 6, 9 and 10, which says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, this concept, your, will, your kingdom come, your will be done. Um, we say the kingdom of God a lot. We talk about it. We use that phrase. But do we really understand it? Do we really know what it is? Um, and so the question Josh posed to me was, is the kingdom of God a destination or a priority? Is the kingdom of God in heaven the same thing? Oh, okay, here we go. Um, But I'm going to start with a definition because this concept is just so complex. It's so complex when you think about the kingdom of God, but also there's a simplicity to it that's beautiful um, because the Lord is just about love. He's about his people, and so... Michelle quotes this guy a lot, and so now I'm going to turn into her and start quoting Dallas Willard all the time. Um, But he says, the kingdom of God is God's own kingdom. 
is the range of his effective will, where what he wants done is done. The person of God himself and the action of his will are the organizing principles of his kingdom. But everything that obeys those principles, whether by nature or by choice, is within him. Okay. The range of his effective will where what he wants done is done. So that's great. Um, but then I started thinking about our world. I thought, okay, there's a lot of places I don't see your will being done. Um, and so if I'm saying the kingdom of God is advancing, the kingdom of God is here, but I'm not seeing your kingdom, I was like, Lord, how do I, how do I reconcile those things? First of all, I, I think it's important that we understand that his kingdom and his influence isn't something that has a beginning. It's eternal. Psalm 145 says, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. So it always has been, always will be. Like we can only understand things that have a beginning. Um, that's just our human brains. That's what they can do. God's outside of time. So he's just always, always been, always will be. And his kingdom is the same. So when Jesus comes on the scene and one of the, after he's baptized, one of the first things he says is, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Not the kingdom of heaven like, it, it's new. No, the kingdom of heaven was always there, right? He's just coming to, I, I like to think of it as, like, unveiling it. Like, look at what he's doing. Look at his kingdom everywhere. This is the uh, analogy I came up with. I have two older brothers. Leah's going to throw up a picture of my siblings, maybe, if our projector works. There they are. They're so cute. Um, those are my two brothers. Some of you know them and their wives. Um, I've shown a picture of them before, but statistics show that when you show a picture of your family, people listen to you better. So that's my family. Um, also, I just wanted to point out that those four are all having fun together in Seattle on vacation and didn't invite their sister. So, brothers, <laughs> I'm mad. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> um, when I was, there's a pretty big age gap between um, my brothers and I. They are six and eight years older than me because I was a surprise and a gift to my family. <laughs> when I was in junior high, well, my oldest brother, Stephen, he started college when I was 10. So I'm in fifth grade. He goes off to college. He proceeds to get married in college and just start his life. So when he came back to Arizona, he's living his married life, right? My brother Andrew, on the other hand, he spent a few years here doing college. And so when I was in junior high, my brother was on youth staff. Um, so just, I want you to feel for 13-year-old Emily a little bit. When you go to like camps and retreats and things, and not only is your brother there, um, but like he's running the camp, like the camp director, um, it's just a recipe for embarrassment. Um, it's a recipe for, you know, as a teenager, not getting to talk to the boys that you want to talk to. Or if you do, he just put a swift end to that. Uh, thanks, Andrew. But anyways, everybody knew that Andrew was my brother. It was common knowledge. But when my brother Stephen came back to Arizona and um, eventually started coming to Orangewood again, I remember one day I was in church, probably in high school, and I started talking about my brothers with an S. And my friend, who I'd known for years, goes, you have two? I said, yeah. 
always have. I said, well, where is he? And I just went, right there. <laughs> He's on the other side. He sits on the other side of the sanctuary. <laughs> right? Just because my friend at that point just became aware that I had another sibling didn't mean Stephen didn't exist up until that point. Their awareness just changed. He had been in the room the whole time. And I thought, hmm, don't we treat the kingdom of God like that? <laughs> I think just because I learned something new about the Lord, I learned what he's doing, it must have just started. The Lord's been moving long before we are aware of it. The kingdom of God, like when Jesus says the kingdom of God has come near, I don't think it's, oh, here it is, brand new. I think it's, hey, come partner with what God's doing. I want you here. Right? The whole point of Jesus' life and death and resurrection is so that we can be near again. I've been rattled by this concept since Easter that God in heaven has all his angels, all his heavenly beings that are constantly praising him. Constantly. And yet he gave everything so that we got a chance to join in that. Like he didn't need us. He didn't need us. He doesn't need us to do his will and his work, but he invites us to partner with him. Back in the beginning uh, of, of history, of recorded history, God says, looks at humanity as just created and says, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So at this point in history, this is pre-sin, everything's where it should be, everything's working as it should be, how he designed it, which means God gave, right, gave Adam the authority over birds. He actually lets Adam name all of the animals. He didn't need to do that, but he said, hey, I want you to be a part of this. You want to co-labor with me. He gives Adam authority over the earth. Sin happens. We invite sin into the world. God doesn't just take that authority away. He doesn't say, nope. He gives us our authority. He leaves it there. What does that mean? Well, that means we have authority. God-given authority. But it's broken now. The original design was that our authority was over his, the whole, under his, sorry, the whole time. It was always united. We were, our will was his will because there was a, a unification there. Well, now it's broken. And so we have to pray things like your will be done, your kingdom come, because our will is not always his will, right? Jesus comes, like I said, he comes, brings that unity back. That's the whole point. He wants us close. He wants us so desperately close to him. So why then I look in the earth and I see very clearly there's a lot of brokenness going on, a lot of brokenness your will. I don't see it being done. I don't see you all the time in politics, right? I, I don't, mm, I don't see your authority there, God. Well, it's because he's given humanity authority and we just haven't submitted it to him. So that's why this um, part of the Lord's Prayer is so important. We talked about the Lord's Prayer in youth group this week and I told them, Jesus is always intentional. He doesn't just throw words around to throw them around. <laughs> so it's very intentional that when the disciples say, Lord, how do we pray? He says, pray like this. Your kingdom come, your will be done. 
like that's one of the first things we're supposed to pray because we're always supposed to submit to him. We're always supposed to give our authority back to him. I'm going to be a little bold. I think if we look at and say kingdom of heaven and we say, well, we're waiting to get there someday. Like I hate the, we're just waiting. This place is not our home. I think it cheapens the gospel. Because if Jesus just, his death and resurrection was just insurance for me, what's the point, (laughs) right? He says, I came that they may have life and life to the full, right? To me, fullness of life isn't like, all right, cool, I'll see you when I die. No, his kingdom is advancing here and now. And when you look at the world and say, well, it's getting worse and worse, I mean, it's always been bad, so let's just go there. We just know more now. <laughs> okay? Social media has just let us know how the bad is all around us. <laughs> not getting worse. It's just like, ooh. Jesus came to establish his kingdom now. Now. I was sitting with a friend a few days ago studying for this, and he, he asked me, well, how's it going? And I was like, man... English is horrible. That's my takeaway from this week. (laughs) Because I'm studying these scriptures and I'm starting to look into the Greek and I'm like, oh man, our words just don't do these concepts justice at all. Example, this is not necessarily related, but in Acts, Paul is, in Acts 11, Paul is giving a vision that he's received from the Lord. And there's this Greek word that's used, I'm not going to try to pronounce it because I'm just not... Um, he uses it three times, same word, in three different verses, and in at least a few English translations, the first one says sky, and then it says air, and then it says heaven. I thought, okay, to me, the sky's up there, air's here, so how does that change my concept of heaven? Because if we sit and think, I'm praying to God up here, he is stationary up there somewhere and I'm constantly trying to get closer. Well, but Jesus said, Holy Spirit is here within us, around us. But then if I think air, just primarily that, okay, he's all around. Well, then what's restoration look like if it's now? So I was like, I told you this week, I was just rattling all week, trying to understand all of this. I think it's both and. I think one of my college professors always says the kingdom is now and not yet. So yes, we are constantly working to advance his kingdom, right? To submit our authority, our influence to his. And we're not going to get the fullness here because Jesus hasn't come back and redeemed it all, right? But if we don't understand that we have the authority to start redeeming it now, we're missing it. Aren't you tracking? God is not a micromanager. He doesn't just override our authority. He comes in and says, oh, you don't want me in politics? Okay. Oh, you don't want me in your job? Okay. He wants that invitation. He wants us to come and say, 
Lord, I want you in this. Be in this. Move here, move with me. Right, he's always there, ready. My brother was always there, just in a different section, 100 feet away. (laughs) Dallas Willard, again, told you I'm going to quote him a bunch. He says, the kingdom is a vision of radical cosmic renewal, and we have turned it into a religion. Radical cosmic renewal. The kingdom is not a passive thing. The kingdom is moving and advancing, whether we're aware of it or not. And he says, come be a part of it. Come be a part of it. Right? We keep talking in here about how we, our, our passion as a church is to go into your realms of society. Right? We're involved in a lot of different things around here. Right? Just this you know, group of, in this room, 40 people. Right? Think of how many people you interact with on a weekly basis, and then times that by 40, right? That's already a lot of people. That's a lot of opportunity for his kingdom to advance, right? Because it's all, it's the, it's the air, it's all around, it's moving. Um, the wording of this Matthew 6 verse, your kingdom come, your will be done, was not something new to Jesus's followers, Right, Jewish tradition, they've been praying the Messiah's kingdom come. The Messiah's kingdom come. Well, Jesus comes in, he says, here I am. <laughs> so change that. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Right, he used something familiar to them to say, hey, it's here now. Look, look. His kingdom, just like Dallas Willard said, is one of renewal. It's one of restoration. It's one of restoration to what things were intended to be. Not what I think is good enough. There's this book that I've been reading, and one of my favorite quotes she says is, good is the enemy of best. So God didn't just come so we could have a good life. "Hmm, Yeah, this is good. No, he wants best. Life to the full. Complete radical renewal. When we think, hmm, I don't know if that's real. Talking to a friend a few weeks ago and just a situation in his life. He said, I know it doesn't make sense to pray for this, but my God's big enough to do it. I was like, whoa, you're right. I'm even having a hard time praying the way you're praying because society says that that's not going to happen in his life. He said, my God's big enough to do it. Hmm. All right. Lord, thank you for partnering with me with people like that. So I watched our culture shift a ton. Michaela and I have been talking a lot this week about um, Gen Z because that's kind of our lives <laughs> as teenagers. And, and even thinking back to, uh, we'll talk to like our, my old youth pastor, all, our old youth leaders, and things that they did and games we played and stuff. And now I'm like, I can't do that. I'll get sued. Like, (laughs) no. (laughs) And I mean, I graduated high school 10 years ago. That's not a lot of time to see how things, I mean, that's a a silly example. Um, But like, yeah, you can't try and make kids throw up anymore. Like, 
If it happens, it happens, but we can't try for that. <laughs> but just watching how culture has shifted and I, thinking about even our students at this church and there, like we look at them, a lot of people now, oh, this generation, I don't know, they're just crazy. But there's this deep cry in them for justice, unlike I've ever seen. I mean, I know I've only been around 29 years, but like it's deep. And they're looking at the world and saying, no, we're not okay with this is how it's always been. Not anymore. And we're going to stand until something changes, even if it's uncomfortable. Now, I think, like a lot of things in our world, that's gotten skewed, right? And the enemy is, is working in that. But I think the core of that is the heart of the Lord. Right? Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of God is on me because God has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, announce freedom to all captives, pardon all prisoners. Right, this generation is coming and saying, no, we want justice. We want freedom for all people. The way this has been done is not okay. I was watching this video, and it, to sum it up, this girl is, is talking about how she's seen divorce, she's seen love not done well, and so she wants to try a different way. Now, the way that they were doing it, I said, mm -hmm, no, <laughs> don't do that, right? But it's because this generation said, oh, that didn't work. And I, she kept telling, saying, we're designed for community. We're designed for love. I said, yes, we are. <laughs> she said, and I just have seen brokenness. And so I'm going to try it this way. Now, I don't think the Lord is in that way. But the heart there, the heart is the Lord. And so as we keep talking about this and talking about the kingdom and thinking about the kingdom, what is it? Well, it's what we always talk about, Genesis 127 and 28. <laughs> it's looking at people and saying, this is your identity, right? That's what I see this generation missing is identity. Like this is who you are, not who you think you might want to be or what makes you happy or could be, but no, this is who you are. And that's what Jesus came to do, right? Jesus was offensive to the status quo because he looked at people and said, I know this is what society says you are or you think you are, but this is who you are, right? Think about the disciples. It's a group of men, I guarantee you, did not get along all the time, at least at the beginning, <laughs> right? They came, Jesus specifically picked men from different statuses in society, different political beliefs, and said, hey, we're going to do life together. <laughs> I guarantee you there were some arguments. You want to tell me that Peter, the guy who cuts off an ear when Jesus is getting arrested, did not get mad and argue about politics earlier? No. Right? He was fiery. <laughs> Matthew, the tax collector. Right? Yeah, exactly, Joe. Oh, boy. Right? He has a whole different perspective on what's going on. And Jesus brought them together and said, you are the ones that are going to advance my kingdom. Because each of you has a different realm of influence. He didn't pick people that were all a part of the same section. He said, no, I want it to go out. 
So that's the kingdom to me. The kingdom is us putting aside our opinions. One of my favorite quotes is from a leader, and she said, when I choose to follow Jesus, I give up the right to my own opinion because I need to have his opinion. It's submitting that to him and saying, okay, even this week as I studied, I said, okay, Lord, I have my own thoughts about this, but I want to know what your thoughts are. I don't want to come up here and just tell you what I think. I want to know what he thinks, even if that offends me. Even if that says, "Mm, that makes me uncomfortable. I don't like it. (laughs) He says, oh, well. (laughs) So as we continue to walk in the next weeks and months, and even today, my challenge for us is to, in every moment, in every interaction, say, okay, Lord, here is my influence. You've given it to me. What do you want to do here? Right? And for me, that's been a daily, like, moment-by-moment thing when I acknowledge it. Okay, Lord, in this conversation, how do you want me to interact? And even the other night, I, I responded to a friend, a good friend, in a way that I thought, oh, that wasn't it. <laughs> that wasn't it. That was me. Right? His... His kingdom is offensive, and it's going to make us uncomfortable, but it's all around us right now. We're not waiting to get there someday. Yes, that's the fullness, but it's here now. So let's together, right? Like I said, if all of us in this room adopted that mindset and how we walked this week, think of what can change. And if we change one person, right, we influence them, domino. That's the kingdom. That's how it's moving. That's how it's advancing. Jesus, we love you. And we thank you that you give us so much grace as we walk and we mess it up. And that this invitation to walk with you and this invitation to humble ourselves under your authority is a gift. It is a gift. We have no right to it. We have no claim to it other than you giving everything for us to be a part. And thank you that we can spend our whole lives knowing you and deepening you and seeing your kingdom and it's gonna be beautiful. And then someday we get to see it all in its fullness. And would you, Lord, help us to not stay complacent to good that we would strive for and run for the best of what you have, even when it's scary, even when that means we jump out of a plane without a parachute. But if you said we're supposed to do it, we're supposed to do it. Would we be patient? Would we wait for you? Because your faithfulness is is true. You don't fail. Turn our eyes to your perspective. May we continue to pray, our Father, your kingdom come and your will be done. We love you, we love you. Amen. Once again, thanks for joining us at Orange Ridge Church. If you'd like more information or to contact us, head over to orangewoodchurch.org.